We are continuing our series on scriptures to live by, and we have heard from different preachers. We have heard from Randy Adair, our minister of youth, as he brought us a word from Colossians about what it means to live in community and what are the qualities that um, enable us to live in Christian community. We heard a word from John about being the beloved community, another word about community. And we also heard about what it means to be light. As we heard Pastor Caroline preach from Matthew's gospel about being light unto the world. And we have this word today from the book of Hosea, chapter 11, and we will begin at verse 1. Listen for the word of God. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more I called them, the more they went from me. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and offering incense to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. They shall return to the land of Egypt, and Assyria shall be their king, because they have refused to return to me. The sword rages in their cities. It consumes their oracle priests and devours because of their schemes. My people are bent on turning away from me. To the Most High they call, but he does not raise them up at all. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. For I am God and no mortal, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. So this has been one of those weeks. This has been one of those weeks in which we especially seek the word of the Lord. This has been one of those weeks that we wonder, why? Why, God? And this morning as we gather, we... We join our hearts and our minds and our prayers to those at Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston, for they are gathering to worship today. And we are mindful of the grief, of the loss, 
of the senselessness of what has happened this week. And it is in thinking and praying about these events (laughs) that this particular scripture from Hosea has been resonating in my heart, putting these two things together. Now, I am certain that God's heart is broken. And one of the reasons why I am certain that God's heart is broken is because of these words we heard from the prophet Hosea. This is one of those texts in which God's heart is revealed. I remember when I was in seminary and I was taking Hebrew and we translated these verses. And I remember an overwhelming sense of getting just a glimpse of what God feels when God's people do horrible things. Whether it be in ancient Israel's situation when they had taken on the mantle of being the people of God and yet they kept messing around with foreign gods, hedging their bets that perhaps There was more than one God in the universe. Yes, we believe in one God, but everybody around us thinks that there are other gods. So we'll just kind of hedge our bets, you know. We will give lip service to the God of the universe, but we will also sacrifice to these other gods because it's what everybody else does. or whether it is a modern-day event in which a 21-year-old becomes radicalized to the point that he slaughters nine people. God's heart is broken. In reading some of the commentators on this text, I get a sense that some of them are almost ashamed of what we hear of God in this text. They're embarrassed, some of them, because we are talking about God, right? All-powerful, all-knowing, all of those omni-words. Surely God is so high above all that God doesn't hurt, right? But here we have this text of God as the parent with a broken heart. You know, it reminds me of when my daughter was about three. And I remember one instance, we went to the grocery store and it was at the end of the work day when... You know, a parent is all stressed about getting dinner on the table and realizing that you need some things from the grocery store to get dinner on the table. And our kids are at their crankiest this time of day because they want a snack and they want it now. 
but you've got to stop by the store, okay? And so I had promised my daughter a cookie if she would behave. Her favorite was a snickerdoodle. I said, when we go in the store, you can pick out a snickerdoodle. Just, we'll just be a few minutes, and then we'll be home. And so we get out of the car, and I pull her out of the car seat, and I say, okay, hold on to my hand. Hold on to my hand. Okay, Mommy. And as soon as we start to walk, bing, she goes across the parking lot. So I get her, Eva, do not do that again. Hold on to my hand. There are cars moving around in this parking lot. Okay, Mommy. She grabs a hold of my hand, and then she does it again. <laughs> Takes off. <laughs> she just thinks it's so funny. So I grabbed her, and I said, if you do that one more time, one more time, we're not going in the store, and you're not getting a snickerdoodle, and we're going to go straight home. Well, you know what happens. She does it again. And I picked her up, and I said, that's it. No cookie. We're going straight home. And, of course, she begins wailing and crying. Mommy, Mommy, I'm sorry. I won't do it again. Sorry, it's too late. And in this text, we have God as the parent who is dismayed that God's children have run away again. And God recalls how God took Israel up in the divine arms, liberated them from slavery, called them God's own, taught them how to walk, healed them, made them God's people, pulled them into the divine household, and yet they have run away again. They have been testing the boundaries of divine patience. And we have God having this argument in the divine heart. And what God recalls is not only raising Israel up to be God's people, and we have several names for Israel in this text, Ephraim is also a name for Israel. But we have God recalling how God pulled God's people out of slavery, how God's people had received liberation. And yet, the people of Israel are playing power politics with Egypt of all nations. The kings of Israel are wanting to be like these powerful nations all around. They're wanting to, to play in the political drama that is happening. And they are, they are pulling themselves ever and ever more back into the Egyptian sphere of influence. And God is like, really? You want to go back? You want to go back into slavery? And so we hear in the middle of this text that God is about ready to just wash his hands and say, okay, you go ahead, go ahead. 
those around you who want to conquer you, I'm going to let them go ahead and do it, and I'm just done with you. And then God comes back and says, but I can't let you go. I can't let you go because my love is boundless. In spite of your machinations, in spite of your intrigue, in spite of running away from me and not wanting to be my people, I still can't let you go. I find it a deep, deep irony that Emmanuel AME Church has been involved in civil rights and before that in the movement against slavery. And that a 21-year-old who was enslaved, is enslaved, to ways of thinking that are against God's heart, murdered in that place in which liberation, in which the message of liberation was heard and preached over so many decades. It is the message that we heard in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that we should no longer be enslaved to what holds us to the powers of darkness in the world. And my friends, that liberation has already happened in the crucifixion and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It has already happened. And yet, we still deal with our enslavement to ways that are not God's way. Let me put it to you this way. A man had two sons. And the younger son ran away. The younger son said, I want to get out of here. Dad, give me my portion of the inheritance. And the dad said, you can have it. And the son ran away. And he spent it all. He spent it all, and he found himself living with the pigs because it was the only job he could find, and it was the only way that he could support himself was feeding the pigs. And that he comes to his senses one day and says, you know what? I've got a loving dad. I'm going to go home, and I will be my dad's servant because I have squandered so much. I gave in to the powers that enslave me. And he goes home. And you know what happens. You know what happens. The dad sees him coming down the road. And he cannot wait to get his arms around him, to take him back into his household and say, Son, all is forgiven. All is forgiven. You are welcome again in my household. And then the older brother, the one who did everything right, is jealous 
And the father has room for him too. The father says, son, all that's mine is yours. Your younger brother who was lost has come home. And my friends, that is the word that God has for us through this text in Hosea is that there is hope. We do not have to remain enslaved to a world that says some have more privilege than others. We do not have to remain enslaved in a world that says some lives don't matter as much as others. Because, my friends, God in Christ has declared that all matter. All matter. Our God's love is boundless. And God continually calls us out of slavery into God's liberated, redeemed life. That is the judgment, my friends. And that is our hope. Amen.